All right, so let's go ahead and uh, we're going to kick off our podcast. So I want to say hello and welcome to the Kickball Change podcast. We are a grassroots program offering insight and inspiration to young teens and adults who are looking to carve out a path in the creative and the performing arts world. So the Dance Step Kickball Change, if you're unfamiliar with that for our listeners, can be found throughout all genres of dance. And if you're really unfamiliar with this step, it's simply a kick forward change of weight going backwards to end up in the same place where you started in. So we're relating this step to life as we all know that everyone, whether you're a performer or not, you've all experienced a kickball change moment. And I think it's important for us as adults to introduce our co-hosts and to bring in the questions because as adults and a lot of our guests that will be joining us on the Kickball Chain podcast we can relate to back in our day and that lovely sentence. But I think it's important to tap into what's actually happening now currently uh, in the day. And with that being said, you know, we're all experiencing our own version of a kickball change, this entire world and the entire universe with COVID. Um, with that, we have options, right? A kickball change, you have options. You can either step back, you can keep going into a kickball change and stay there for quite some time. Uh, you can change direction or you can pivot. Mm -hmm. See that? You like that, girls? That was another dance step <laughs> right there. <laughs> so, uh, so we're kicking it off. Uh, this podcast is Keeping the Beat, and I'd like to introduce our co-host before I get into our amazing guest today. So our co-hosts are going to be a range of young adults, whether still in high school, in college, or recently graduated. And we want them to ask our guests to get an idea of how they can pave their way and create and carve out, carve out their craft. So with us today, we have two high school students, some beautiful dancers uh, specializing in tap. They are phenomenal hoofers. Uh, we have Grace. Hello, Hi. Grace. <laughs> and we also have Avery. Hi. With that, we also have one of our founding co-hosts here with us. Her name is Miss Barbara. Hi. So <laughs> calling her, and we will refer to her as Miss Barbara, as she is a powerhouse for women. She has owned her own dance studio for well over 35 years. She has had her own versions of kickball changes, but not only for herself, but she's also seen it through the generations of the dancers in her studio which I think is very important. She has dancers now that used to dance with her that currently have their dancers in her studio, their young daughters. She has seen the changes in preteen, adolescent. A lot of her students, whether they created their own name in the dance world, in the performing arts world, whether teaching intercollegiately at top-rated universities all across the United States. Some of her dancers went on for professional paths, dancing actually with um, the NFL uh, across the United States as well. Some of her dancers are the choreographers as well as dancers on those dance teams. She also has created, right? We can say created. I think that's a, uh, it's a good word. Um, some amazing, talented dancers. Her daughter as one of them, which is she's won several choreographic awards on both West Coast and East Coast. So I know Miss Barbara has seen it, and I would like her to also offer some insight. So again, welcome, Miss Barbara. Welcome to our co-host. And we are going to kick it off with Keeping the Beat on our podcast for today. So our guest is Miss Shelby Kaufman. Shelby, how are you? I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to give a little uh, background about you, if that's all right, to uh, put you up on that pedestal because, well, you deserve it, my dear. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So Shelby is a Michigan native and uh, she resides now in New York City for what over a decade now you've been there? 14 years. 14. So, yeah. so you've seen transitions, changes throughout it all. And I'm sure several of your own personal kickball changes, right? <laughs> Awesome. So Shelby is a notable choreographer, dance instructor, and performer. Some of the top leading schools that she has taught at are some of the prestigious dance schools found in New York City, Broadway Dance Center, Paradance Capizio Center, Steps on Broadway, and the American Tap Dance Foundation. Not only is she a teacher, but she's also an accomplished performer. She was featured in Brenda Buffalino's New American Tap Dance Orchestra, and she's also a long-running member of Jermaine Salzberg's La Femmes. So again, Shelby, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, with this being said, 
I want to start in the beginning because I know you have a lot to offer, especially now that we're in a, a virtual world. <laughs> um, you have your own YouTube channel and you've now hosted over 100 tutorial videos, which I think is amazing for beginner and advanced students. And what I love about your videos is something that sticks with me as a teacher now, as a dance teacher, but growing up, one of my tap teachers always talked about performing and talking with your feet. And I think that's so important in the tap world is that you can have a conversation without any words. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Although I will say I definitely have a lot of words to say with my mouth as well. I'm, I'm a talker, so <laughs> you'll learn that as we go. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think really tap dancing is um, just another way of storytelling. It's almost like being a director or being you know, a writer. We're just, we're just using our craft to tell stories and hopefully um, drive emotion to our audiences in a very similar way that any other sort of storytelling medium would be able to do. And we can, you know, I think something really cool about TAP is that we're basically being musicians and dancers at the same time. And so we're really able to give so much emotion because you are seeing what we're presenting, but you're also hearing us in what we're presenting. Like you said, it's a, it's a conversation. It's communicating. It's, you know, I, I think... Um, Tap dance really is just one of the most exciting art forms because we're able to say so much without saying anything with our mouth. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I want to ask about this because I think this is so important, especially with our, our co-hosts here today. Um, you were an assistant to one of the late tap legends. What was that like to work across the board and different generations with him? Um, so I assume you're talking about Dr. Harold Stumpy. Absolutely. Uh, okay. I, we, we need a whole podcast just to talk about <laughs> I, I don't even know how to sum this up quickly, but he changed my life. I um, I met him at actually a tradition in tap. Uh, Megan and I were just talking about that we met at a tradition in tap. And I actually, that's where I met Harold Cromer was I had just moved to New York about a year before that. And um, I really didn't know where my place was in the tap community, in the tap world at all. I didn't know who anyone was. Um, I'm from Michigan and I had just gotten to New York. And there was, uh, I saw a flyer on the wall at, I want to say actually at Faisal's, which doesn't exist anymore, um, for a workshop uh, for tap dancers. And I just thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to, you know, go see what, what's going on in tap in New York. And if I can hang with the, the serious people that are already in this amazing city. And so I went to this workshop and it was honoring Dr. Harold Stumpy Cromer. And I didn't know anything about him. And he was sitting there with um, one of his other assistants, the incredible Sarah Reich. And they were whispering and pointing and talking about me while I was warming up. And then uh, he grabbed me afterwards and said, you know, come over here. He's like, what's your name? And I said, Shelby. And he said, no, no, your last name. And I said, Kaufman. And he said, well, that makes sense. And I was like, who is this crazy guy? You know, <laughs> the answer, he said, well, my dear girl, Kaufman means salesman in German. And you know how to sell tap dance. Oh, I love it. That's great. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the way that we met. And he he I was closer to him than I would. I was as close, if not closer to him, than I was with my own grandparents. And I loved my grandparents. I mean, he was family to me. And I learned so much from him because he was in Manhattan for almost a century in this, you know, in the heart of tap dance as a tap dancer, as a performer, going on tour, um, supporting his family with this craft and the stories he told me. I mean, I learned so much about not just tap dance, but about life from him. Um, but it was also really fun to choreograph with him because he would never stand up and do the number. He would just kind of show me sitting down what he wanted. And I would try to sort of decipher what he wanted me to teach. And then fun. he'd be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now add a turn. <laughs> By the way, that, that is a good impression of him. If you did not know yes. what he sounded like. <laughs> and he was just the best. He, he had three of us, me, Sarah Reich and Hillary Marie Michael, uh, before he passed away were sort of the three that worked with him and danced with him. And we kind of think of ourselves as Harold's girls. Oh, and um, yeah. he, he was the best guy in the world, but it was really fun um, working with him at tap festivals, doing performances with him. Um, he and I, you know, would co-choreograph and co-direct some um, uh, corporate events and things like that. And we, we worked together in so many different capacities. But what I learned from him, I mean, first of all, he was so selfless because he was still trying to get his name even bigger and more out there. But I, I just felt and knew that he was on my side 
a hundred percent. Like he was trying to push my career forward and he worked so tirelessly to help me network. And so much of where I've gotten in this tap dance world is absolutely unquestionably because of him and because of um, not only me feeling special because I knew that he saw something in me and his opinion meant so much to me, but I think also the tap community at large knew that his opinion meant a lot. And so knowing I was working with him and that he saw something in me, it allowed me the opportunity to have other people see those same things in me through Absolutely. his eyes. And um, I think my entire career is so largely in part because of his influence, what I learned from him, and also how he sort of brought me into the fold and, and introduced me to important people. So can I just say something on that for these girls that are sitting here with us, the teenagers? So you came to New York. How old were you? I had just graduated college from University of Michigan. Go blue. And um, I, I came here in October. I want to say of October 2006. So I was uh, 21. No, I'm, I had just turned 22. Okay, so you, it look, it sounds like your life changed because of a note on a board to say, come to this. And, and you, that's one of the things where I always tell them is like, you have to be in the right time at the right place. And yeah. if you don't go to that, then how do you, so that's a prime example Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Like, oh, let's yeah. just go, let's yourself. wing it, right? Like what's this, like you said, let's see what this is about instead of saying, oh, I don't know if this is for me, you gotta go. Yeah. And like how many flyers were on that board? And that was the one that just stuck out, called your name and you ended up going. It was this little tiny little flyer on this board at Faisal's. And I was at Faisal's because I was teaching this like older gentleman dance lessons. And I, I don't exactly <laughs> remember how I came to find him and become such. I think we might have met on a city bus. I'm not even kidding. And <laughs> Serendipity I, right there, right? Everything happens for a reason. Right? I think that I was at Faisal's for the first time teaching him. And then I saw that flyer and I didn't know anyone in the tap world. And I was like, oh, well, thank goodness there's something. Because something I also didn't mention is um, the studio that I really knew about that I was wanting to take class and network in is Broadway Dance Center. And I happened to move to New York while it was closed for renovation. And mm -hmm. um, so it was also, you know, that element wasn't really a part of my life. And I was actually here. Um, I was at first, uh, I was doing internships at um, some film companies. And that's what I was doing during the week. And so the only thing I could do was take one tap class on Sundays for advanced dancers. And then this flyer came along and I was like, oh, now I can actually tap a little bit because when I came here, the things that I thought would be available to me happened not to be. Right. So it was all very, uh, very, uh, yeah, great. Rivers. Just flowed, right? So what did you, did you go to college for dance or did you go to college? For I didn't. I actually majored in communication studies at University of Michigan. I went to their regular college, literature, science and the arts, LSNA is what people call it. And I minored in film studies. And um, I, what I did for dance is I ran two student run dance groups, a tap one, and then a jazz musical theater hip hop one that actually me and two friends started together our sophomore year. And then what I did for my sanity was I took a one credit um, advanced jazz class through the musical theater school at Michigan. I, I based my entire schedule around this one credit dance class. <laughs> I love it. What we do as dancers, right? Yeah. And I, you know, it was, I wasn't sure if the tap would be advanced enough for where I was at at that mm -hmm. time, but I knew that I really would grow so much from their jazz program. And so that's what I put my focus into. And then I did my tap through the dance group mm -hmm. on the side. Um, but I definitely kept my dancing up, but I didn't major or minor in dance. And um, so I, I wanted to keep my, um, academics up and I wanted to keep studying and trying to be well-rounded because I wasn't sure at the time exactly where my career was going to take. Right. Right. And then, and so you did keep dance alive in your life. Absolutely. I never stopped and I never stopped trying to improve and grow and challenge myself, but I didn't think that I needed to major or minor in it mm -hmm. in order to do so. And I, I thought it was more important to me to um, keep growing academically. Right. And, that, and your love just, that's what it is. If you love, if you love dance, you just can't let it go. You just have to do whatever you can during those years. Like I have a couple of girls that are in college that are actually dancing in college, not majoring, but similar to you where they're doing the tap little company or whatever they want to yeah. call it. The, I don't know. What, what does Casey call her little group? Like, yeah. And maybe it's a club. I don't yeah. even know. And yeah. then there's a the hip hop exactly club. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I see you never know where your career is going to take you. Though. And you know what else is I, I spent a lot of time because I was um, in this group with my peers. I spent a lot of time choreographing. And so that was a really great opportunity for me to get to be the choreographer rather than taking classes from other people. Mm-hmm. And it, it allowed me to start to really hone in those skills at that time in a way that maybe I wouldn't have if I were focusing my dance training in class. Mm-hmm. So I think actually that worked out well for me since choreography has become such an enormous part of my career. Yeah, obviously, right? So yeah. with that, um, Shelby, so in high school and your transition into college, I think especially for our young younger listeners who are deciding on that path, um, we know that a lot of, I mean, I don't know about you girls here, but I know a lot of um, younger students are are met with that crossroad, right? And that's one of the major kickball changes that a lot of people, a lot of young yeah. teens experience is, should I go to school and major in dance? Should I follow my passion? Do I have a family that's supporting me in my creative arts? Or do I need to get a, a, a bachelor's of science or, or go be a doctor? Um, what can you say to to our to co-hosts here and to any of the younger listeners that are, you know, did you have a family that supported you one way or the other? And if they don't, what can you give for an insight for that on that transition? You know, that's a great question. Um, my family's always been incredibly supportive of me um, in anything I do and everything I do. But in all honesty, I don't think they would have chosen tap dance as a career for me. I think they were assuming I'd be a doctor or a lawyer. I was always a very studious student. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just followed my passion and I just knew that that was what I was meant to do. But it, it was challenging because I've always been, um, I've had such an academic side to me. And I just thought, you know, I can always use those abilities to build a brand, to create material, to, there's just so many uses for the other parts of me, the persuasive abilities that might have led me to law. I can use, you know, more so in building my brand and trying to get my foot in the door in the right places in this career that I, that I'm more passionate about. Um, But I will say, you know, I think life takes a lot of turns and I'm not sure anyone really knows where it's headed. And so I think all you can really do at the place you're at is make a decision that you feel confident about in that moment. Um, I, it's funny because when I, I know we're talking about high school, but just when I went to New York from college, I, like I said, I went to internet film companies. I, I thought I might end up, you know, working in film or something like that. And I, I have, but I've done it in a more fun way, which is being in them, dancing in them, you know, choreographing. <laughs> and, um, it's interesting because all of my friends that were in my dance groups in college were like, well, Shelby, we all knew you were going to New York to be a dancer. It's oh. funny that you just <laughs> caught up. Love it. Oh, oh, that's funny. I guess I guess you knew and I didn't know that that's what I was doing. That's you know? great. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. But um, yeah, going into college, I the, well, I was lucky in the fact that um, living in Michigan, we had such incredible schools right around the corner, and um, that kind of offered everything. And so picking a college wasn't the ordeal for me that it is for so many other people. I just basically knew I was going to go to Michigan. And, and you um, live in Michigan. I live, I'm from so, Michigan. I live, you know, I'll, a lot of my friends were going to end up there. It's, I know people come from all over the world because it's such a great school that you still are going to meet people from other places and that there's good dance programs. And, you know, the musical theater school is one of the best in the country. So I knew if I could take dance classes through that program, they'd be spectacular. And so I I really lucked out in that way that that wasn't some huge decision-making moment for me personally. Um, But not deciding whether to do something like film or to do something in the dance world or I'm not a great singer, so musical theater didn't really seem an option for me as a major. (laughs) But um, yeah, that was really the challenge for me was deciding what path to take once at that school. And then in the end, I decided to, you know, focus on my academics, but keep my dancing up because I just wanted to have as many doors open to me as humanly possible moving forward from there because I was a little bit unsure where I was headed. And so I definitely think that's a good piece of advice is is do what you can do to keep as many doors open as you're able to so that when it does come time to make a decision or if you find that you all of a sudden realize what you want, you have the background to back you up. That sounds great. So don't close any doors. Leave them open. Yeah, I think yeah. So. I think that's the best thing I could yeah. say. Yeah, because yeah. you know, Michigan sounds a lot different than New Jersey, where the children, I don't know why, but they want to leave New Jersey to college. 
right beyond me but you know oh we're going here we're going to indiana we're going here we're going there well there's plenty of colleges right here in new jersey and you're so close to new york do you know i don't right yeah so it is a it is a big um decision on their part trying to pick and then how do you know when you're 18 what you really what you really where you want to go and where you're going to land and so you don't know and to make those decisions are hard as well yeah i'm 36 and i still feel like there's paths that I haven't crossed yet. And we're still going to see where things take me. That's I, awesome. I can't tell you definitively that I know where I'm going to end up still. And I'm double yeah. that age. So, and, and that's not a boring life. That's a great life. Yeah, right? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I have a question. Sure. In high school, did you do like all types of dance or did you strictly do tap dance? Um, so that's a great question. And actually, it's something I think is really important. Um, I am just as well trained as a jazz dancer, musical theater dancer, hip hop dancer. Um, this is a little funny thing. But if you ask my father, he would tell you I'm better at hip hop than tap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's wrong. But it's funny that someone couldn't even have that thought process. Like, you know, but um, I think my training in other styles was absolutely necessary to make me the dancer, choreographer, performer that I am today. In addition to the community theater that I grew up doing and all the theater I did, I, again, it's all about being versatile and well-rounded in life, but also in dance. And so to me, um, you know how people say, oh, I don't love tap. And so a lot of kids won't do tap, but they'll do everything else. To me, that's not smart because just like ballet is the foundation of dance in some technical ways, Tap is the foundation of dance in terms of understanding rhythm and musicality. And there is, you are so much better off having taken tap to better yourself in other styles and to pick up choreography in a different way than if you chose not to include tap in your education. So I would say it goes both ways. That's Um, a good answer. Someone who loved tap, I loved everything else too. When did you decide that you wanted to like strictly do tap? Well, I don't strictly do tap. It's just a misconception about me. But the reason there's a misconception about me in that way is because I've become so much more known in tap than other styles of dance that if you, for example, like look at my bio or resume, it seems all tap because the better things I've done, the more prestigious things I've done are in the tap world. But I mean, you know, if I teach at like a dance masters of America, a lot of the time they'll have me teach theater jazz classes as well. And um, I've definitely choreographed shows that involve all styles of dance. And it's funny, something I'd actually like to do more of is have more opportunities to showcase my choreography and my work in those other styles. Um, So if you do ever check out my work, you'll see a really heavy influence of other styles. Like for example, I have this piece that I choreographed a decade ago that still gets performed all over the place called Swan Fake. And it's like a fake ballet tap dance with like two twos. (laughs) And um, I, I really, I really work hard to incorporate other styles of dance within my tap to keep me um, really versatile as a tap choreographer. That's so cool. Yeah. When did you first fall in love with tap? That's such a good question. I feel like so many other people will say, oh, I watched this movie and that was it for me. That wasn't my journey at all. I fell in love with dance. And I know this sounds kind of funny and selfish, but I fell in love with tap because I was good at tap. So, <laughs> um, no, do you know, like, I, I mean, I was put in dance like most kids my age were um, at a young age. I started when I was five and I, you know, I, I loved it and I loved all the other styles too. But as I got older and older, people started to really take notice of my tap more so than, you know, others, you know, the other kids around me, I would say. And I started to realize that I was maybe had a talent in it uh, innately. And then something that really did help me is I had this teacher and I had so many teachers that really paved the way for me and we could talk more about them. But this one teacher who wasn't the studio owner, but he was my teacher when it really mattered. I think when you really like develop a passion for something, when I was eight, nine and 10, were the ages that he was my teacher and he loved tap. And so he would do tap solos as the teacher in our recitals and me watching him do those, by the way, I should give his name. His name is Ryan Quinn. Um, And, you know, he would do these tap solos that were spectacular. And I was like, Oh, I could do that. You know, just watching my own teacher in our own, you know, Farmington Hills, Michigan dance recitals is what did it for me before any movie, TV show professional. I mean, he was incredible and he still is. He's still really an amazing tap dancer, probably lesser known than he should be. Um, 
but there was something about watching him, my own teacher, who I knew thought I was good, show me what I could be, really like lit a fire under me that never left me. I, I think the me same and way. Grace are yeah. having the same experience right now with <laughs> oh, our tap yeah. teacher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah nice. that's so exciting to have a teacher who's so good that that you see the potential. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to the students that may not have that ability, right, or, or, or are afraid to step into that ability of seeing the, their teacher experience their own joy? You know, how, how, what would you say to a student trying to find their own joy or find their own inspiration if they can't find it outwardly on a teacher that just emotes that energy and that just that love and that passion all the way through their bones? Well, like like you were saying, there are movies and TV shows that can also ignite that. You know, I mean, I, I it, it's innate, but also there's so much. And you know what we did not have when I was young is something like YouTube. The yeah. fact yeah. that kids today, if they if they even have like a little inkling that they might love something like tap, the fact that at their fingertips they can find clips of today's greats, of yesterday's greats, right. of teaching videos of, you know, oh, you're not feeling challenged in your studio, go on YouTube and find something advanced to teach yourself. I mean, what you have access to that we didn't is unbelievable and it Mm -hmm. should not be ignored. And um, in addition to that, I think that it's a feeling. I, you know, it's something intangible. It's not even something you can describe. Like my love of tap dance is hard to explain because I just am a tap dancer, you know, like I, I just put my shoes on and, you know, I hear a song and I feel like, Ooh, that would be like, I just want to tap to this. Like I, it's not something that I could say, like, I think, I think, I think as a teacher and as a student, you kind of know when someone just drips passion out of their pores for something, you know, you can feel that in their performance. And that's when you can tell when someone's great or not. It's not even how talented they are. It's how much like their passion, like flows through them where you can like feel it as an audience member. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Absolutely. Cause you can have somebody who's very, very talented that doesn't have that passion that you don't even want to look at. You don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so it's not even about, I think that, technique and skill can be taught and passion and drive can't. And if you have that passion and that drive, there are so many materials for you. There are so many ways that you can work that technique and get yourself to the level Mm -hmm. you want to be at. Um, Whereas if you have the technique, but not the passion, that that's where I would say it's not going to take you as far. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, When you were in high school, was there like any point that you felt like you wanted to stop dancing or even incorporate a different sport into your life? And what like drove you away from doing that? You know, the answer is (laughs) no. I am terrible. (laughs) Don't ask me to throw or catch a ball. Don't ask. Uh, It's not happening. Um, You know, actually, I was I was so interested in dance as a high schooler that I was um, I was actually teaching 10 classes a week as a junior. And then I was teaching 12 classes a week as a senior. In addition to us, when I was a senior in high school, I was taking 13 classes, assisting eight and teaching 12. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm at a Denton company school of dance. I should give a shout out to the place I'm talking about. Um, so I was already teaching and choreographing and, um, you know, the thing that was hard for me in high school was figuring out how to balance that with my friendships and my social life with my schooling. Yeah, I that, think that was the struggle for me was how to do that much at the studio and not let it take me fully away from other things that also mattered to me and finding a balance. Yeah, that's that's where all high school has you guys. Yeah, you all have that problem. Course. Well, you know, I have danced today, so I can't go here or I've danced today. And then, you know, some people decide, well, I'm not going to dance anymore and I'm just going to be open for whatever comes. And then they get bored and then they're like, why did I quit dancing? Yeah. yeah. And then even yeah. this year, like all of our friends have off seasons for sports so they can go to parties and like have a normal high school life but this year we have to be so much more careful because we don't really have off season i think well covid's a whole different animal in terms of dance and life so you guys are going through something none of us had to even dream of when we were young right Um, and yeah i mean i also think you know some people are really we're handling the transition to zoom well and some didn't and i think you know and that's and that's students and teachers and studio owners that i'm referring to 
yeah. we all had to make some some big changes some big transitions this year to continue our craft and i think people have really risen to the challenge and done some amazing things so yeah. This year has been a really special one for, for Dan. Well, we're all in a, a our own kickball change, right? The entire world just did a kickball change. And now we're all just trying to figure out, are we going forward, back, or staying in it? Yeah. 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 I feel like if you do have that passion and drive for dance, like, you have to make sacrifices. Like, yeah, if you're not going to do, like, sports, you're not going to do sports. Like, you're going to stick with dance. Oh, for sure. Because. I think that's a So let's stay on this topic, right? So, um, so Shelby, sacrifices. I think that's a, a big thing that young students... Um, are met with. That's a big challenge. That's a big kickball change, right, Miss Barbara? A lot well, of students have that. Yeah, and a lot of what to sacrifice. The majority of kids in high school don't understand the arts in general, so they only yeah. they understand, you know, just the ball and football, and so they don't understand what the girls are doing because they don't. It's not available for them to see in your school. I don't know about a Michigan high school, but in Jersey high schools, they very rarely have a dance program. So. They have friends, like Grace and Avery are friends, that have no clue what dance means. Why are you spending so much time there? You know, that kind of thing. So like, dismiss. <laughs> and then we have friends that- you that... dismiss, Grace? No, no, no. no they're like, they're... dismiss dance. Yeah, just Oh, yeah, dismiss dance. Just skip. Yeah, just... Oh, yeah, they don't get <laughs> yeah, no, it. No, they don't understand, though. No. <laughs> and then we'll show some, like, people we know a video, and they're like, oh, like, that's what you do? Yeah. Like, they like, think, yes. I don't I don't know what they think we do, but it's <laughs> definitely not what actually they're happens. They're like, how are you there for so long? Like, we're training. Yeah, like, it's not, it's not like we can just skip. I just don't Yeah. That's interesting, you know, I, I guess I guess in the same way, I don't really understand the sacrifice of like a soccer player or, a you know, because that's just not what I did. And so I think, right, we all don't really understand each other's crafts or each other's skills or each other's um, sport or whatever it might be as well as we should. And the thing about dance is because it's meant to entertain general audiences, it'd be really great if there were more opportunities for your friends and your peers to see what it is that you do, because specifically what we do is meant to be seen right yeah. so absolutely I, 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 for you i want you guys to find more opportunities talent shows whatever it may be yeah. to give your friends a chance to see what you do since it is meant to be enjoyed by them yeah yeah That's do you feel like some of your friends uh growing up that weren't dancers uh that you were balancing um you know school life with your dance studio life with friends that perhaps weren't dancers um did you uh face any any challenges from them or any upsets or any struggles yeah, kind of balancing I, I that think, out? I, yeah, I, well, you know, the truth is, is that a lot of my best friends happened to dance with me, which was very helpful, even <laughs> though they were like also in my like group of school best friends. And so it was almost like half of us were dancers. And so the other half had no choice but to like understand okay, and be, yeah. <laughs> be okay um, with it. <laughs> but, you know, I also had really supportive non-dance friends, like one of my best friends to this day. She would, I mean, she would come to every competition, every recital. I mean, you could hear her particular voice screaming our names in our oh, recital oh, videos oh, so, you know, that's it, great it, I think that it just you have to surround yourself with people who get it and who support you and um you I, know i i don't think i had too much struggle with that i think the biggest struggle was just you know managing within our dance studio when like one person would be picked for something and someone else wasn't how to keep our friendship strong even though you know at times perhaps i was given an opportunity someone else wasn't and how to navigate that or vice versa. You know, th I mean, those were the things I think in terms of friendships that were a little tricky to navigate in that age group was more what was happening like within our studio dynamic. So yeah. how could you, um, how did you get through that with, with you and, and the girls, right? If you were given the soloist part or you were given a part that maybe one of your friends thought, I mean, do you have a moment that you can re like specifically remember like that takes you back? Well, I, yeah, I, I think it was always, a, you know, something just tricky and we just had to hope that we were close enough to get past it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there were certainly, you know, fights or times where we didn't feel like we were all on the same wavelength or on the same page. And, um, you know, there were times where, you know, even like I remember one of my one of my closest friends, even in middle school, was put in a higher level tap than me, even though like we were like a tap duet and I was the one that people would consider like the more advanced tap dancer. And it's because she looked older than I did. And I was like, well, how is that fair? You know, yeah, just funny yeah. things like that. There's just so many. But you know what? I, here's what I think. I think that it's good to have to deal with that as kids, because if you do end up in this industry, you're getting so much more of that coming your way. <laughs> I mean, out of auditions because you're too short. I mean, I'm five foot one and a half. So oh there God. are so many auditions that I am not eligible for it, literally because of my height alone. Yeah. Um, 
And it depends on the show, of course, but you know, the more you kind of learn to navigate that when you're young and, and get past it and find ways to cope with things like that, the more you're prepared for the real world in this industry. So. Yeah. I just feel like that competition, like within the studio pushes you more mm-hmm. and oh, like pushes sure. you out of your comfort zone more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for you. Sometimes people just give up. Yeah. But sure. for you, Grace, because yeah. you have the drive and passion. Thanks, Marty. <laughs> right. Like I said, it also separates the men from the boys. Like, can you recover from something like that? Or can you find a way to, you know, stay humble, even if you are the one that gets something exciting? And, you know, it's, I mean, I think that navigating that is, is t- training you for life in the arts. So. Can I, uh, so with that, and I know there's a lot of um, this generation now and being a new mom myself, being able to navigate that, um, if we have any parents that are listening to our podcast too, can you give them some insight of when to step back and, and let let your daughters, let your children navigate those waters, navigate the, the in-studio challenges without being involved and overly involved, right? What kind of, what could you say oh, to them yeah. on that platform? <laughs> The dance mom's convo. You know, here's something I can tell you is, you know, of course there are exceptions and not everyone is like a wonderful teacher and not everyone wants children to succeed. But for the most part, I would say if you're a dance teacher, you want the kids to succeed. You are trying to make them the best that they can possibly be. And if you've been doing this a long time, you probably have reasons for a lot of your decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes the kids don't get it. And sometimes the kids especially young ones who haven't really developed their like brain fully to like kind of process things in a different way. I think sometimes kids will like hear you say something like I I remember once like this is just like, you know, I mean, I could tell you like 10,000 of these (laughs) stories, but just one that like strikes me is a kid came in and said, hey, you know, Shelby, I I was missing last week. So can you reteach everything from last week? And I was like, you know, I'm sorry. No, we got to keep going. So either you're gonna have to get with some friends or we're going to have to, you know, schedule a private lesson or we'll have to figure this out. But today can't be about teaching you what you missed because, you know, you're one person and there's a whole class and a, a recital and we've got to get to, you know, yeah. work and I just remember, you know, we, I ended up with, you know, an angry email from the parent that like, I don't care about her child's well-being. And, oh, you know, oh, like, oh, you know I mean, there's so much of that that goes around. And I think parents just have to hope that I think that the parents put their children in a certain program because they know that it's a great one and that there were so many reasons they chose that particular program that I think it's just a good choice in general to um, assume hope that the teacher's hearts are in the right place and that they're making their decisions for reasons and with intentions and that, you know, for the greater good of everyone and that, you know, things will probably work themselves out and maybe even let the kids know that if you want to ask the teacher something, you'll probably resolve it in 13 seconds if you're feeling upset and you come to the teacher yourself and say, hey, you know, I I remember you said this to me and it was making me feel bad. I'm not sure if it's what you meant. Like, can we just talk about it for a second so we can move past it? I think every teacher would be so happy to like set your mind at ease and make you feel better about it. And it just goes such a longer way than like, mean emails or mean phone calls from parents or I think that we we all just want the kids to be happy I feel terrible when a kid feels like I wasn't nice to them and of course it was never my intention but we can always resolve it so we might as well skip that middle ground where everyone's at odds and feeling unhappy right absolutely I know me and Grace got very lucky with parents who kind of just let us do our own thing with dance (laughs) I mean even though Grace's mom was a dancer she's that probably helps knowing that Oh, like I don't have kids yet, but when I have a dance kid, because I'm me, I'll know to like give the teacher the benefit of the doubt and approach things in a very particular way (laughs) that like someone else might not. Yeah, for sure. But we've definitely seen other parents. Oh, 100%. Just, you know, (laughs) who get mad at little things that the dancer should be able to. You should be able to trust your dance teacher enough to talk to her on your own instead of getting other people involved. Yeah. I think that you not I don't I don't think I've ever had a situation that didn't end up resolving itself. And so because of that, if we all just kind of assume it's gonna get worked out and come from that place, I think we'll all just be happier all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anybody wanna go next? Any other questions? I, I mean I have a lot of questions for her. Um, <laughs> so in your dance world, your dance world of choreography and teaching and stuff, how how are you um, judged? Like, do you 
as a as a teacher, as a dancer, do you find things, um, people judging you in different ways, and how do you overcome that kind of? Wait, actually, can I piggyback off her real quick? Can you add yeah. being a woman into that too? Yes. Well, because ah, as a dance teacher, teacher myself and an owner, you know, I'm always judged. Always. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, what's funny is actually, I think as a teacher, right, you're judged a lot as a teacher, because just like we were saying, parents are wanting the best for their kids, which is also admirable. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But I do feel like probably the people judging me the most at times, or perhaps the ones that I'm the most aware of their judgment are the parents because they're vocal about it, because it's for their children. Whereas, you know, if I choreograph a piece, people are not going to like let me know that they don't like it in person because that's a, a mean thing to do. So you tend to hear from people who did love what you did or at least say they loved what you did. Social media, on the other hand, mm. is where it's a little bit trickier because people can hide behind this computer screen and say any mean thing that they want to say without, um, you know, any sort of you know, casualty. There's no, there's no harm in it for them. And so that's why I think a lot of cyberbullying takes place. Mm. I can't say that I've been victim to that very often. And I'm actually really grateful about that because I put myself out there on social media, but every now and then there's, there's some comments that are nasty. I mean, I've, I've been told things about my, my body type and, um, you know, even, you know, not even just about talent, like really weird things that, you know, aren't really anyone's business or aren't necessary to discuss with (laughs) random people I've never met before. So since you brought up being a woman, that made me think of that is that I don't think that if it was a man and someone, you know, thought they had big hips, I don't think that there'd be comments in their YouTube videos about that. Whereas I've seen some of that. Oh my Um, gosh. Yeah. There's no chance. They wouldn't say, no, right. say So in terms of, since you brought up being a woman, I think there's, you know, that element of I'm putting myself out there physically as well as professionally. And so, you know, you just have to hope that people are going to meet you with kindness. And, you know, I also, I've, I've thought this so often, it's, it's so silly that YouTube even offers the dislike button. Because if you look at like TikTok, Facebook, they only have positive things. I wish that YouTube was that way because you know, so many people are, you're putting yourself out there and you're trying to help people and you're trying to give material to people. And like, I mean, I'm, I'm editing this and filming these things and taking my time to do it for free. And I'm just trying to be, you know, useful to people. Of course, there are benefits in it for me and I get more known and, you know, I, I hope to build my career that way. But it is such a labor of love that even just seeing people push the dislike button on a video that you worked hard on is so disheartening. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like the world has enough negativity that I don't understand why that's even like, an option. An option. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I also can't imagine being a person who would ever click like the dislike button on a, another person's video for any reason. Right. And yeah. so I also feel like it's like sad for those people that they feel the need to put people down that way on social media. And so, you know, I knew kind of going in that I was putting myself in that position and just really hoping to um, have a community of positivity. And I think I've mostly created that. But you know, like I said, there's still like little moments here and there. And you know what else people will say is, oh, you're wrong, because this is called this and you called it of this, you know, like with like terms of tap. And, you know, there's just some really funny things where people are, are trying to be critical and trying to prove to you that they know more than you about your craft. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I just think that if in general, we all sort of understood that there's different ways of saying things, different ways of doing things. And, you know, I might watch a video that I don't like, and I'll just think mm, that wasn't my favorite to myself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, because you're a nice yeah. person. Yeah. I guess yeah. And on, just... the, on the other hand, if I love someone's video, I want to let them know that yes. I loved it because yeah. I know how much it means to me when people let me know that they're appreciative of my craft. And so, you know, the fact that people from all over the world are writing me nice comments and saying like, you know, your videos are my favorite or I follow you. I love what you're doing. I mean, I, it's it's really great to sort of feel like I have some sort of positive impact from having chosen to put myself out there. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any um, other words of advice for for the young students, or the young professionals that are, you know, wanting to audition and get out there? Because I, I think we're touching on, you know, being a woman and being out there. I think it's such a, an important part to recognize is that it's raw, right? I think we can agree that auditioning is raw. You know, you're putting yourself out there. How do you, how do you professionally build yourself up um, for your own personal well-being and emotional support to make sure that those dislikes, those comments don't stay with you for the next day? Like, how do you push past through that? 
Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many things to say about that. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I think having a strong sense of self, not as a dancer, as a human being is really important. And that um, stems back from the way you were raised in your family. And I've always, um, I've always been a really self-confident person and I, I'm thankful to my family for that. And I think there's so much that, you know, goes into that. I can't even really understand how I became that way or, but I, I do, I do believe in my my craft and my ability and my talent. And I think that's the only way I've been able to make a career of this, because if I had self-doubt about it, then this is the wrong profession for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, okay, well, here's a few things I would say to young people about auditioning. Number one, so little of it is about talent until the end. Mm -hmm. Meaning you could go into a room and I have and many times and you'll sit there for three hours and then they'll literally say everyone stand up and then they'll say you and you stay everyone else thank you very much and then you just leave and you don't even get to like point your toe you know I mean that's that's what happens very often with typecasting and so if you're going to be sensitive about that this is not a great choice for you um and then you know there's so often you know sometimes they're trying to fill someone's costume sometimes they're trying to replace someone in a chorus that wore this size costume i mean sometimes it is literally that specific mm -hmm. um so you know in terms of physical type you just have to understand that not every role is for you and even if you would be incredible in this show you just might not even have the opportunity to be thought of for it and you have to know that going in um i will say as a young person here's the here are the two pieces of advice and it goes back to what i was saying earlier about versatility um be, because all you can do and i forgot who said this to me but it was someone it was mostly profound thing that anyone ever said i say it all the time someone said to me control what you can control because there's so much out of your control in life in this profession in general um that as long as you you know are well rehearsed for example you know you may not be able to control that like someone's shoe gets untied on stage but you can control how well you're rehearsed before getting on that stage yeah. you yeah. know and um, so in that way here's what i think you can control voice lessons because if you do not sing you are not gonna get any of these shows mm -hmm. i am a, not a great singer i have vocal modules and i have learned very many times the hard way that my dancing is not enough to get me a broadway role even if I'm the wrong type, even if I was the right type mm -hmm. for that particular role, my singing voice is going to nine times out of 10, take me out of the running. So number one, sing. It is important. <laughs> number one, number two, act. So what I'm saying is, A, be as big of a triple threat as you're capable of being because you'll have more opportunities that way. And then in terms of tap or dance itself, my best advice is to start honing your craft in three different ways now. Number one, being a great dancer, which is what you're already doing. Number two, teaching. And number three, choreographing. Because I personally believe that they are three different crafts and that being one good at one of them does not make you good at the other two. So true. And I, absolutely. And so I want to be able to get the choreography jobs, the performing jobs, and the big teaching jobs. And I have worked an entire lifetime to really be as solid on all three of those as separate entities as I can. And I think that that is so important to give you opportunities in this field because I wouldn't be able to do this job if I wasn't a good teacher because so much of my income comes from the teaching side of things. Yeah, um, especially because you started teaching so young. Like at yeah. our yes. age. And I think that that's really something that was beneficial to me. Yeah. And actually my friend and I co-choreographed our first show when we were 13 for our middle school. That's crazy. So, oh my so God. <laughs> Yeah, like we actually like they just like said, hey, you guys are going to be the choreographers of the show. And even though it was such a silly like step touches, little shop of horrors, like it wasn't even like a serious thing. Just having that responsibility, mm. it started something that never yeah. fizzled away. You know, when we would play when I was in elementary school, we would like move the furniture in my house and we would choreograph dances. I mean, that's what we did for fun. And so all those that. things started so young for me that I really feel like I've had the time to like nurture each of those things that I, I truly hope other people will agree that I am all of those. And hopefully because of that, I have more opportunities I'm able to take on than someone who say is just great on stage, but doesn't really choreograph and direct and see things from that perspective or doesn't really know how to teach like any level, any age group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Kickball change. Yeah. Um, so, what was the biggest kickball change moment that we talked about in the beginning for you? So, you know, it's interesting. I, 
I don't, I don't think I can pinpoint it to a moment. I kind of think it's like a constant kickball change. <laughs> what I mean by that is I'm a person who I really, because I had faith in myself and because I know what I'm capable of. And by the way, this is not how I felt. This is how I feel. This is a ongoing thing for me. Um, I think my career has progressed slower than I had anticipated. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, especially in this social media day and age, I see people in my mind surpassing me sometimes. And I feel like, you know, I'm going that like slow path and they're just racing right past me in different moments. And then I'll, um, I think it's so easy to be discouraged because you feel like maybe you should have been at a certain place by a certain age. I should have had the opportunity to choreograph my first Broadway show by now. I should have my Tony and my Emmy and all these dreams that I have that I don't think are too big. I do think that I will have them, but I, it's watching these things sort of take place in this very slow path. Like I had to discover a patience that I did not know that I was going to need. And, you know, it's, and, and I, and I can look at it the other way too, because people, you know, what I of course see because I'm human is everyone who's gotten further than me in my mind in certain endeavors. And I sort of forget, like I'm on this podcast because someone else thinks that I've like made it in some sort of way, which is so interesting (laughs) to me because I feel like I'm still struggling for my big break myself today. And so that struggle never goes away. And all I can be grateful for is that with that confidence in myself and my craft and my ability, I never stopped sort of this like slow climb that other people have sort of raced past me, but the climb has still been a climb and I've still gotten somewhere that's pretty great, even though in my own mind, I'm nowhere near where I expect to end up. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a question. Uh, If you could step into my shoes, like, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? What would I have asked me? Oh, and me, what would you have asked me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of answered it, I think, a second ago, a little bit, which is what would I tell you to do now so that you have a better chance of success in the future, which is trying, you know, really working on being a triple threat because you're, it's very rare that you're going to get a job where you're only asked to tap or only right. ask. Yeah. And by the way, triple threat plus other styles of dance, meaning sing dance, be good at every style of dance and kill it as a tap dancer. So when there's a tap dance role, it's going to you, yeah. you know? And then, and then that other thing that I just kind of said that I don't know if I was really prompted to, but I just felt the need to say it, which was understanding that there are three different crafts within tap dance, which is teaching choreography and performing and, and trying to tackle each one of those individually rather than just assuming that being good at one makes you good at all. Hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I think, I think you guys asked really great questions actually. So the hardest question is what should you have asked me that you didn't? Cause you did a great <laughs> Awesome. Well, Shelby, we are going to be wrapping up this podcast. We want to extend our thank yous for joining us. And I think, um, I think with our co-host and our, our, our listeners, our takeaways is not to close the doors, keep them open, be open to the experiences, the small flyers that are hanging in the studio that you're going into for the first time when you're traveling on a bus to go teach a gentleman for the first time and a big city be open to that flyer be open to going be open be open to experiencing and also discovering a patience and i think that's important and with our kickball yeah. change podcast is understanding that like you said it you're you're still experiencing your kickball changes so you're just adding them in the dance of life right you're adding them into the journey and into the story that you're weaving right now and and they're only going to make you stronger and make your story um, more impactful so we we want to thank you again so much for joining us with the kickball change our co-host here today yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much and our listeners at home thank you for joining and we look to see you soon all right have a good one bye thank bye. you so much for having me thanks shelby awesome awesome job thank you it was great to see you <laughs>